it is, you know what, I just took off my glasses, but I have to put them back on to see that it is August 10th. August 10th. 2023. I like that, yeah, the summer is going to end soon because it is uh, way too hot. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's way too hot. I can't stand it. And But kids started school, so nice. that's cool. That's cool. Um, I'm, I'm your host, Adam Blue, um, and joining me, as always, Stephen of Midnight Hatter. How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, it was a nice, cool morning this morning. I was able to get my daughter out and take her for a walk oh. around the block. That was a that was a lot of fun. So, uh, but you know, it's it's gonna hit high eighties later today. So oh. you know, we'll, no, it's we'll good. hunker down inside. Yeah, good to get the, the walks in. I'm I got to do that more. My wife was even bringing that up to me. She's like, we got to go out and walk more. And it's it's just because we it's just so hard to because it's so like here the heat like they even have it uh for like they sent out an email that saying when kids start school they won't be outside for recess because they have these heat warnings here in Texas yeah. where they just they're telling people just to stay inside yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's crazy and so i can feel it like i can definitely feel that i'm not moving around that much and i i hate it especially i redid the backyard recently and i've been wanting to enjoy that right like, yeah i mean you know, you put all this effort into, you know, I actually just had landscapers redo some of the, some of the backyard here and, you Ooh. know, we haven't really been able to enjoy it, but, you know, oh, so you're we'll, getting uh, your backyard redone a little bit, you know, nothing nice. crazy. Yeah. Um, but... I, I definitely have room for a pool, but you know, oh. that's, <laughs> oh, that'd be sweet. I don't know. That's a lot of work. And then I'd be scared, you know, yeah. with the kid, you know, exactly. Unless you yeah. got like either. An above ground or just those small little kiddie pools just for fun, like just lay out there. Yeah, yeah, that'd be the way to go for sure. Yeah, I think Um, so. You know, unrelated, but I'm, I'm, you know, watching the stream here and I need to reverse my light setup because the way I'm seeing it, it almost looks like we're in the same room the way that our lights bleed together. Oh, that's interesting. There's like a... (laughs) No, that's actually pretty cool though, actually. That's that's kind of funny. I mean, because then it looks like, yeah, we're recording locally. Um, yeah, we're we're just using different cameras. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's hilarious. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, it, you know, speaking of the podcast today, I don't really have any uh, main uh, topics for today. So it's it's really, I mean, there's things to talk about, and I could talk forever. I used to do this show where it was by myself talking for an hour. So I just, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, sometimes I wonder how these streamers that go for like you know eight to twelve hours in a day. What what do you do all day? You know. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I, you know, that's interesting. There was, I forget. Well, yeah. And I guess that is when it's like their job. Because, <laughs> I, and it makes me think of like my, you know, I do this live stream in between my work. And I think sometimes how busy I am with my job. So I could only imagine if I was doing YouTube or podcasting full time, I I would probably have a few shows that may be hours at length or you know, I think we were talking about that before. It'd be really cool if every day we could have like different shows about different things. And yeah, yeah. I mean, like I would love to start streaming, you know, full Gunpla builds. One of the problems I think is that I'm so slow when it comes to building a Gunpla that I can't sit down and finish a high grade in an hour. You know, yeah. it, it, w- it would be a four to eight hour stream. That's so. a good That's a good point, because when I was um, the couple times that I've uh, done like a live build, like it would be like an hour or something and I will get like a leg done on a GM <laughs> or something. <laughs> and usually you have like a, uh, like a joint is reversed exactly. or backwards or something. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, what did I do? And then you're spending time fixing it and then you're like, oh, I'm doing this live. And then like your whole world's upside. No. 
No, that's oh, fun geez. though. I, I tell you, I would, and I hope I get to a point uh, sometime soon where I'd be doing more live streams. It just really is a matter of time, you know. Right. Uh, it really is. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah, a couple things, and we'll might talk about a little bit more. Like UC Engage uh, as a release date, which is pretty neat. Been wanting to play yeah. that. Um, you know, I just did my uh, video that just went up on building that high grade. Um, Nightingale, what yeah, what's the beast. biggest kit you've built? So I guess the biggest biggest kit would probably be that high grade um, Psycho. Oh yeah, the Psycho Gundam. Where oh. where'd my Psycho Gundam go? Yeah, I said it's funny how <laughs> lately I've I've noticed you changed up your setup back there. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's so kind of scary. Something that tall that's kind of walked off on its own <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good thing i don't have any of those mega size like the 148 oh, scale yeah. kits the ones that are like the size of my kid <laughs> yeah. just a zaku standing in the hallway oh that would be <laughs> creepy but that's you would say the biggest yeah that is actually that, pretty that's big the biggest i've built yeah but i do have that high grade dendrobium orcus sitting Ooh. in the garage that is just waiting to be cracked open and uh yeah i think butchered. someone in the comments said that is bigger then it is yeah for sure not, that would be um, yeah actually uh where did i put my nightingale i would almost say the psycho gundam could almost be same or bigger it might be taller it just doesn't have that right. booty that's the difference you know <laughs> <laughs> the old wagon yeah. um but yeah you know i think i i saw someone uh in the comments of your nightingale video mention that the sazabi would be a good one to use for reference like for comparison's sake yeah. So, and I think that, you know, the Zazabi is pretty chunky. He's a pretty it big is. kit, you it know, is. compared to some small boys. It is similar. Like, it, it's interesting because they do have very similar design aesthetics on purpose to it. Right. But it's now I'm starting to appreciate the Zazabi. Hmm. Right. And then, so, so if you can imagine this, but with wings out to about here, yeah. that would be. Exactly. And then, you know, for comparison's sake, if we're going to be thorough, um, I guess this would be. Because you actually do have yep. a high grade the O. That's right. So the O is actually pretty wow. close in size to the Zazabi. Um, yeah. You know they're about the same height. The O is a little bit chunkier, but you know, hey, there's there's your size comparison. <laughs> that yeah, that's cool. That reminds me, I need to finish. I just got that green paint for the rest of the thrusters on the O nice. because yeah, the O, the Zazabi, like Nightingale, those are just cool last boss. <laughs> style you know uh, uh, mobile suits yeah there's something about that like you know I, I i can't think of a video game that you don't fight you know a massive boss as the as the yeah. final enemy except maybe like legend of zelda 2 where you fight dark link like that's oh yeah that, that type of thing but yeah you're right i love it there's something about those giant last bosses and just thinking of some of the boss battles even in the uh SD Gundam Battle Alliance because it had Psycho Gundam, um, it had um, the O. Even though it wasn't like a gigantic, it was still like a big and you know scary uh, mobile suit to fight. Even the Cubeley. Um, and that was uh, that was a shocking realization that I made when I was working on the Gundam Five E tabletop game. Is that I categorized something like the Dovin Wolf as a large mobile suit. You know, most of them are medium sized mobile suits. The Dovin Wolf I categorized as large because I always considered it big but then it wasn't until i actually got the zazabi model kit and held it up alongside the dovin wolf the zazabi's bigger 
So oh, it's like wow. if the Dovin Wolf is large, then the Zazabi has to be large. And yeah. then the O has, you know, it, it creates this whole scale comparison as far as, you know, tabletop gaming goes. But yeah, even so it's just it's, it's fascinating. I think you mentioned before appreciating something when you have a 3D representation of it. of it yeah because yeah. that's the thing a lot of times in just like you were saying about size you know when you're watching the animation sometimes it's really hard to really get a idea of size between different mobile suits you don't really think about it like because a lot of times they might not be framed together or uh there's that you know perspective based on if they're in space and it's hard to get perspective in space since you know there's a lot it's of empty true. space <laughs> so yeah that's the thing like building the gunpla it's like you really get a better idea of the size and what's interesting about that is that it's that's what makes Gundam cool even more is like the attention to detail on the size and the consistency when it's really hard to determine that from watching it you're not going to watch it be like well hmm, in that frame it looks bigger than normal <laughs> you know that normally doesn't happen yeah no it's very true and and the video games can sometimes distort that too um you know oh yeah the, the Psycho Gundam itself is really only probably like 1.8 to, to two, two times as large as your average mobile suit. You know, um, if the average mobile suits 18 meters, I think that the, uh, the, the, the Psycho Gundam is about 40. Wow. So you would expect in video games that that would be the comparison is it's like, OK, it's about half as half as large or you know twice as large. But sometimes you play these video games and these mobile armors are like dwarfing you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, and then you don't you just realize then like, wow, it's really that big. Um, it's pretty cool. It, it is pretty cool because it, there's that give and take. I'm sure they have to think about where like, okay, we want to sell a kit of this, but is that practical to produce? And then sometimes they try to, knowing that that's not something that's practical, you know. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes it's more practical than you realize. Like when you have a P Bandai Neo Zeong two that you think, ah, you know, who's really going to oh, buy a three hundred dollar yeah neo zeong and then and it, it sells out three times yeah. like i know that's a good man I, I would like to get that but it's one of those things where spending that much there's other things at that price i would get that i've been holding off <laughs> yeah um <laughs> it's a good way of looking at it yeah, priorities of, well speaking of recent gets i have not got i mean the last thing i got and i don't remember if i shared this I, it actually had a uh sneak peek in my latest video it's the mobile suit ensemble nightingale nice. I did that little trick where I was like, well, this is the, the high grade. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I love these things. I, I can't get enough of the mobile suit ensemble and this Nightingale. Yeah, very is, cool. It, it, and and you, we've talked about it before. The proportions on them are very cool. It's it's almost closer to that cross silhouette uh, proportion. So it's, it's not like quite SD. And well, you know what? I'm Now the comparison I'll always make, and it's since you brought this up, was how Warhammer minis are more chunkier than yeah. than their actual proportions. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's all that really is. These mobile suit ensemble figures are like that kind of Warhammer-style chunkiness where it's not over-the-top, cartoony, giant head, little feet, no legs. It's like <laughs> right. just stylized a little chunkier. Um, and I love it. Um, yeah, it really draws your attention to the key details of uh, of the unit. and And I think a lot of... So, you know, we've been talking about um, Gundam video games and the, the Gundam video games that are coming out, like UC Engage. We've got a new SD um, G Generation game oh, yeah. that's coming out on mobile. And I've, I've seen a, a common criticism of it is like, man, I would love to play one of the G Generation games if only they weren't SD. 
And while I understand that sentiment and I agree, agree with it to a certain extent, what you have to appreciate about the SD proportions is that when you're looking at a tactical battle map, it becomes so much easier to identify which units are which. I mean, could you imagine if it were not SD, if it were regular proportions, how hard would you, you you'd have to like zoom in and zoom out and try to identify which units are which because you, you don't know. And, and the nice thing about those SD proportions, those slightly chunkier proportions is that it, it highlights all of the major details it's yep. like, I know that's a Zeta Gundam because I see it. <laughs> you know what? That is pretty neat you brought that up because I'm a huge fan of RTS games. And, you know, the first few RTS games, Warcraft, Command & Conquer, they used pixel graphics. The pixels were kind of bigger. So yeah. they could kind of get the – and as games started getting more detailed, it would be hard to see. The, that's one complaint I would have with some later RTSs is like I can't really make out the units. And if they were in some sort of SD proportion, I'd be able to make it out better, but then I might not be as interested. It's a weird, interesting yeah. balance, but it makes sense. And I wonder, like with StarCraft, even StarCraft seems to slightly do that. Not too yes. much, but they kind of have a slight chunk uh, like to the, the Space Marines. That's where that. that whole like Blizzard art style came from is like the Warcraft games because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I have to be able to identify my units as I'm moving them across the screen. So it really is like a UI concern. And so, yeah, when you have like a model kit of it, you probably don't appreciate it as much. But yeah, you know, know. so it's like the more things get realistic, the harder they are to actually see. It's almost as if things that are stylized give you more information yeah yeah it's in very interesting um yeah i'm glad we talked about this then because i think <laughs> rts's have been one of my favorite genres they just rarely come out and when they do they're just okay you know um, yeah people aren't really pushing the boundaries when it comes to rts because yeah. i mean you're kind of restricted in what type of gameplay you're you're really just going to be storming bases right base There's building this, and yeah and i guess what they've kind of been doing lately which has been kind of scaling them back but making them fun i guess is where they're more like a tower defense or survival where it's like you just build within this area and you wait for waves of enemies to come at you instead of the whole free form i have this big map to build and move troops around i think because people either like to build or they like to fight and i i think the crossover of people that like to both build and fight is not that big i i, I it seems to be one or the other even like the civilization games yeah. Even though you do fight in them, it's more about management of your world, the military, instead of individual. And I yeah. typically fight with culture. You know, I'm the guy that builds the <laughs> libraries, and then all of a sudden, all the cities around you join you. <laughs> that's cool. That, and see, and that's funny. That's why I've never gotten to the civilization games, because of that sort of, it's almost like a perceived war, instead of the actual... I like when I'm moving an individual unit. It was interesting because in Command & Conquer 3, they introduced when you built one unit, it was a squad of five. Yeah. Again, and I, a way to make it look like you know what you're controlling, it's bigger. Uh, I think, yeah, a company of heroes did that too, where you built one troop and it was like a squad of them. Um, because and I think that's how Gearing's Greed kind of plays, where oh. when you're on the map, it's like you have a unit, but then when, when the combat opens up, there's several you know okay. Zakus on screen. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, man, the a Gundam RTS needs to happen. And I I just yeah. I just 
it, I wish I could do it. I wish I could snap my fingers and make it happen. It's like the tools are there, but it's the time investment. Exactly. And then at my age, it's like if I'm going to invest all my time into that, does that mean maybe then I need to invest time in being a game developer? But maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, game dev is a pretty fun hobby, and I've been yeah. enjoying some of the stuff we've been working on together. Uh, you yeah. know, I think that, that that next stage of RTS would be like a RTS with a grand strategy laid on top of it so that you're I doing so. like kind of, you know, if, if there's like a Gundam-themed RTS, you know, you have your individual battle maps, but then you can zoom out and you have like the whole, you know, colonies and Earth, and you can kind of control the different... Uh, the different fronts i guess yeah i think that's what that's that other layer because i think what happens with the rts genre is for people it gets boring because it is kind of just okay you build your base you build troops to go out and fight and kill but that additional layer of okay i've built this and this is a good defense let me zoom out and go check and see how these other areas are doing yeah almost like it's a real-time open world where instead of a linear progression of missions they're all happening at once yeah yeah and that's kind of like i think we were kind of putting stuff like that together with the yeah um zooming out going to different colonies going back oh, oh zeon's pushing some more i gotta you know right i lost some uh lost some ground and need to make it back up and that sort of thing yeah there's this game i forget what it's called it's coming out really soon there's already like ign has preview trailers of it but it's a it's an RTS, but also first-person shooter. And I know that's been tried a lot in, in the past, but this actually looks really good. Because at first, it looked like a, a Doom-style corridor shooter. And then all of a okay. sudden, they were outside, zoomed out, and there was all these troops going to a base. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> that sounds wild. I know. Yeah, that does. Um, but have you been playing any games recently? Any video games? Um, no, I mean, I just wrapped up Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, oh, finally cool. so you know at least i've put that investment behind me i i can <laughs> stop messing with it but uh you know as i as i start working on some more video games I, I keep going back to certain games that i just love the control of um whoop, no pun intended so one of the games that i picked up again was control oh yeah um, I just love that is the kind of game where if you took all of the enemies and the quests and like the story out of it, I would still have fun just playing as Jesse running around, flying, throwing things like it's such a I never beat it. Heavy game. I, Neither have I. Oh, OK. I, I keep stopping like I, for some reason, like I get maybe the first third or fourth of the game and then I'll just because I feel like like the controls are on point. This, I even think the overall mission quest structure system is on point. What I think happens is I get bored of the environments, you know, because it's just an office space so far. I mean, maybe it opens up more. Yeah, there's there's some interesting things that they do with the setting, I would say. And okay. but but I think where I get stumped is I will arrive at an area where there's no obvious indication that you're missing um, a piece to move forward yeah and i'll be looking at my map to be like okay is there some place i don't remember i should go back to yeah i remember exactly. that happening yeah so i mean i spent probably uh you know three days on and off stuck in that stupid um maze that like you know you can you go through the maze 
and the the walls kind of shift yeah and then you go through the maze again and the walls kind of shift and and there's no way out of it so i'm like are the pictures part of the puzzle is it the phone that's on the table what like what do i wow. do to get out of this maze and then i i ended up caving and looked online and they were like oh well it's actually part of this other quest that you you know and i'm like well how was i supposed to know that <laughs> yeah that's interesting that's that's you know i might i might jump back into that again because i've been i for some reason i like the third person sort of action but with the adventure aspect to it because you are yeah. doing some exploration because so i just beat the final dlc map for sniper elite 5 and I feel like Sniper Elite 5 is one of those games where it, it's successful for those people that like, like whenever one a sniper game comes out, there is a large enough fan base to buy the game. So then they keep making more. But I yeah. don't think within that fan base are game developers slash influencers, you know, to like say, okay, there's systems here that should be used in other games. Be, because to me, Sniper Elite 5 does things that it's like, oh, I've, I feel like any third-person action adventure game can use can it can feel different, but use the setup of this open-world level design. Yeah, that yeah, a lot of games don't do, and I think should do, um, because not everything needs to be just one big open world. You know, right? Yeah, I, I really appreciate when you've described to me the way that Sniper Elite Five has this sort of like open world, but still mission-contained yeah uh, structure. And I think that there are some games like that where maybe the initial mechanics are really popular, but the game itself doesn't have enough of a mass market appeal in order to kind of take yeah. a foothold. So, like, one example I would say is Operation Winback. Oh, yeah. That was, like, that one of the first games to introduce a cover bait, like a cover shooting yep. um, system. But, you know, it was such a small game. It was on the N64, you know, or I think it might have been on the PS2 as yeah, well. Yeah, it started just N64. Later, there was a PS2 port, but they I feel like they designed the controls for the N64. So when you play it, it on PS2, it just wasn't the same. Yeah, but but now cover sh cover shooting is, you know, everywhere. Yeah. You, you don't have a Naughty Dog game without cover shooting. Yeah, and what's really neat is with the sniper games is it does an automatic cover. If I'm ducking behind a structure and I'm close enough to the edge, it will stick me to it, and then I can, you know, stick out. And and so to, to tie it back into Gundam, this is where I wish Bandai would take a Gundam game is to make it where it has very interesting mechanics, even though, yeah, I want a Gundam RTS. I want an open-world Gundam game. But why not introduce a Gundam game that is it's like interesting on its own. It's like a, and I, I keep saying single player because I think single player games are still strong and we see that they are with like Zelda. Like there needs to be a single player Gundam game that just does its own thing in a very interesting way because I think Dynasty Warriors, that's just, you know, Gundam. Like, or, you know, they just took that. Yeah, and SD Gundam Battle Alliance, while that was cool, it really took the Marvel Ultimate Alliance formula, which was fine but even from marvel ultimate alliance it was very specific to that gunham evolution being a hero shooter and while i think um battle operation 2 is good it's really just a pvp game you know really yeah. so it's not like yeah. that lends to that you sit down exploration of mechanics on your own time uh, so it really sounds to me like you're saying they need to do a remake of side story rise from the ashes Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that is a do. Gundam game that really took 
you know, it, it took the experience of being in the one year war and really distilled it down to, you yeah. know, it was its own thing. There was, there's no really, there's no other games that I can think of that's like, oh, Rise from the Ashes ripped that off. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. But what about Zionic Front? Because that was really, I, I only played a little bit of it, but it was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard. Zionic Front, I, I love that. I mean, it's one of my favorite uh, yeah. Gundam games of all time. But it really did feel like um, it reminded me of a Rainbow Six game, a classic Rainbow Six game. Yeah, you know, Rainbow Six kind of tried to go the just basic shooter route. Right. But the classic Rainbow Six games, people forget there was like a tactical component to yeah. it. You were, Super you tactical. would move teams to different locations, and you'd have checkpoints and things like that. And then there was the first-person shooter part of it. Um, and so that's where Zionic Front was awesome. Is like you had that tactical. I'm going to make sure that I set up the mission the way I want it to go, and then I'm going to execute. Have you played it uh, recently? Zionic Front? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to go back through the uh, simulator missions. I think I have an S rank in almost all of them, except for, um, is it like the Desert Fang? <laughs> do do but, you think it still holds up? Like, for what it's supposed to be? Yeah, yeah. You That's know, cool. It's, yeah. I would not recommend it to sort of casual Gundam fans because, you know, m most modern Gundam fans are going to be modern gamers, right? They want to hop into a game Fortnite style and just be able to run and gun and do that kind of thing. It is not that type type of game. Like you can't just run and gun. Right. Like it's, I remember that know, it took me a while to, I don't even, maybe I didn't even beat the first level. It was the one where you have like the woods, the forest, and you kind of like move around, but you never know when like, the enemy is coming too, and then I think once you got past that, and you, I guess you get to like a runway, and yeah. I think the Gundam or something shows up and just murders everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's like the big tray comes out. Yeah, there you well, go. It, and it's one of those really realistic games where you know two shots from a tank is going to down your Zaku, and yeah. so you're like, oh, I I have to treat every encounter as if it's going to be a deadly one. There's yeah. no, you know, yeah, I need to go back and um play through that properly because uh, I. Just for a previous video, I started looking at it. And I was mainly describing what the story was, but I actually want to dive into because, you know, after playing Rise from the Ashes, I was really appreciating like that tactical gameplay. We rarely see that anymore. And I think I'm now, I've kind of, and I, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but matured out of it's like when I play games, I need, oh, I need the action right here, right now that I can, and I'm back to where like I, I can take my time with stuff. Um, which I don't blame everyone, but not everyone can. That's why you don't see a lot of those games nowadays. That's um, <laughs> true. It's, yeah, I mean, um, and, and it goes back to what you were saying about time. Is you know, do you have the time to sit down and be thoughtful and tact and tactical about yeah. the way you're approaching a video game, or do you just want to pick up and do a couple matches in GBO and be yeah. done with it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on real quick because uh, I saw something from. Jonathan Ipan saying thoughts of the Gundam Seed Freedom movie. Uh, the reason I want to bring that up is because a second trailer came out, and I just yeah. I didn't make any content on it or anything like. And I kind of feel bad because if it was UC related, I would make a video right away. And you know we've talked yeah. how the original Seed series doesn't do much for me. Destiny I thought was very entertaining. Um, so I I would be interested. I'm actually pretty excited i guess like, for this follow-up because if they are kind of speaking of maturing kind of maturing the aspects and storyline that they did with destiny i think this could be pretty interesting 
What, yeah. Have you thought about that? Yeah. I know, you know, um, being UC snob, I'm like, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's another <laughs> seed property, but you know, there is a kind of quaint, um, quaint appeal to it right like it's there's a bit of a nostalgia bug associated with it that it's like yeah you know i would like to go back and see what uh kira and Atherin have been up to and you know how things have changed and and, yeah. and even seeing just some of the concept art and some of the you know sort of updated character designs there's some interesting stuff going on and i'd like to kind of exp see what how those things have sort of transpired i mean the the pilot suits look radically different from yeah from the original series so yeah um know. but yeah the the only thing i got to get to and i haven't watched yet is there was like that stargazer that was supposed to be like a, a a short film maybe that came after destiny was supposed to be mm -hmm. before freedom so uh, i mean again i don't know much of the story that i'll get out of that and i i don't know how much of we'll get a story out of this movie it reminds me i have like in gundam double the movie wasn't a continuation it was just what next happens in that world and it was aliens you know it's <laughs> so i wonder with see destiny like if it's just going to be just a whole new thing that doesn't necessarily connect it, the thing i liked that see destiny was talking about is how it it outright called out the the military industrial complex and i liked how that durandal guy was knowing like really the only way to fight the only way to stop it is violence i mean we're just gonna have to that's yeah. why I always thought he was really the good guy. And then Kira was trying to stop him. And it's like that. It's like a third. It's like three. It, think about it. Durandal realizes the only way to stop the military industrial complex is you have to fight it. But then Kira's like, no, you shouldn't fight. So I'm going to fight you for wanting to fight someone to stop them from <laughs> fighting. <laughs> it was like, yeah. come on. But. Not I'm going to kill the peace into you. <laughs> yeah. But not only with that, but then I liked, you know, after getting into Macross, uh, how Destiny used that um, the Mir singer. Mir Campbell. Yeah, the singer storyline where it was like there was the real singer, Lacus, and then they had to have a fake one to just use that as a propaganda tool, you know. Which and, is so sad, you know. It's like uh, I felt so bad for, for Mir and – yeah. And how that went down. And, and you know, it's so interesting because, and I'm going to kind of go off on a little tangent here, is because, yeah. you know, you, you bring up the idea of, well, they had to find a way to replace Lacus in order to kind of keep the propaganda machine going. And that is where I think that that Disney Plus show Falcon and the Winter Soldier really fumbled the ball. Because, like, U.S. Agent was supposed to be that same thing for Captain America. And they had, the, uh, they could have gone so much more rich with that storyline. Oh. The way that, I mean, I'm sure that the chat is going to crucify me for this, but Seed Destiny did a better job of enacting that sort of propaganda tool replacement than Disney did with, you know, with, with a storyline that had already been kind of yeah. tailor written for them. Dude, interesting you brought that up because that's, it now makes sense to me. And, yeah. you know, because I didn't, I tried watching Fal uh, Falcon Winter Soldier and I couldn't, you know, over time it's getting boring. That character, I didn't really understand the point, but bringing it up that way, it's like, oh, that, that's pretty interesting. And yeah, then that makes me appreciate Destiny more because it really took themes of the story and went full force with them. It's yeah. like, what do you do when there's a military industrial complex? Who really is the bad guy? 
when you're trying to stop it, you know, in, and then, um, which is interesting because wouldn't Kira then go stop Logos or whatever? And he, he didn't until Durandal wanted to, right? Am I, am yeah. I getting the story wrong there? <laughs> I mean, Kira's motivation in destiny is so weird. And, you know, I kind of liked that he was the bad guy for, yeah. for half the season because it, it, it was probably the most interesting thing that they did with his character. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, so I so I got to say like I I feel that's interesting that Seed has elements of interesting story ideas but then things that were like why and it it just makes me excited actually to watch Freedom although I don't know how it's going to be distributed it looked like there wasn't anything worldwide so far it looks like it was just for the Japanese release I think in January but you know, maybe it's gonna be just like the uh, English dub of Kukuru's Doyen's Island, where it's just gonna randomly appear. And well, <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting because it would be interesting to see how quickly they dub it, localize it. Well, okay, because there wasn't English uh, uh, English subtitles for Kukuru's right on release. Um, that was what I bought on the Blu-ray, and then there was the um the dub that came after and they didn't say anything about it, but with yep. seed, I'm interested in seeing if they are seeing maybe more of a worldwide potential. So then they will have soon, maybe an announcement that like, Oh, we'll be on streaming services in English. You know, I'm honestly surprised. And this is one of those things where, you know, got got to be honest and criticize Bandai when they, when they do something a little goofy, but how are you going to erect a freedom Gundam in China and not coordinate your Gundam seed freedom movie with that event? Like the, the, the marketing potential for, mm. you know, a worldwide release of seed freedom with the erection of these, the freedom Gundam statue is like, yeah, that would be, that'd be <laughs> pretty big. That's yeah. That's a good point. Um, it, I wonder if, because I heard that this was like in the making for a while, so I wonder if that was a plan at one point. Oh yeah, it could have been COVID impacted, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, all the COVID stuff. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Well, I mean, you know, you know, speaking of other future shows too. So we know that um, what's it called? Requiem for Vengeance. Yes, we'll probably get more information on that. But with that UC next one hundred, we saw UC Engage, which I think it's in October. It's coming out right. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, you can pre-order it now, obviously on yeah. on your various app stores. But yeah, October is it twenty fifth, twenty third, twenty fifth, something like that. Yeah, and it even it starts it starts the trailer with that UC next one hundred. So that's in line with what is supposed to be like Hathaway. So I don't know if if Hathaway is supposed to come out next year, the year after, and if so, do we get another or some other UC next one hundred, or is it going to be UC engage and then Hathaway? Because I know Unicorn 2 is supposed to be a part of that. From what I understand, Unicorn 2 comes out after Hathaway 2. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm just curious if, in the meantime, we're going to get, like... So, for instance, um, uh, Welcome for Vengeance, Crew Cruise, Doan's Island, those weren't part of UC Next 100, but we got them anyway. So I wonder if there's going to be some other interesting things in the making, like another origin uh, and who knows if it's going to take place during a certain time frame or yeah i mean some of the, I, 
w- would that even qualify as next 100 if it's still yeah, you right. know that's what i war. think is neat because it could mean that there's still potential for other things that haven't been announced yet because even crew cruise came out of nowhere and it was just like a few months later it came out or something like that i i forget exactly um yeah um yeah so that yeah in in when it comes to origin I, I think it would be neat, and I don't know what the idea is for them to redo other parts of the original Gundam. I almost feel like they shouldn't, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's one of those things I always have mixed feelings whenever there's, like, kind of a remaster of, of something. With the Cuckoo's Deadlands Island, there's definitely a purpose behind it, right? It's, yeah. they, they cut the episode from the original series because they they observed that the quality was so bad and so this was like their kind of opportunity to to save it yeah but does gundam itself the whole original series does it need saving no yeah that's a good point no so i would think it would be like a different story it could be um you know i don't know maybe yeah i don't know actually (laughs) because thinking about it the only thing i can think of is i heard they're they're making a manga about Char after that point, remember the middle of the original double 79 where he kind of gets pushed away, you know, pushed out for the failures. Maybe he's getting up to stuff there and then they do something like that. Cause it'd be cool to have some more origin on Char. But then after that, what, you know, I, I feel like there's only so much more they can say with those characters (laughs) that they have to like move on to advances Zeta or something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know uh, that's where side stories are always more welcome, I would say, than yeah. um, you know re- reinterpretations or expansions on existing characters. I think so. There's that uh, there's that book series right for Star Wars, where they kind of have like a bunch of writers step in and do these like mini vignettes that are supposed are to take place from a certain point of view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, I think that those are, you know, those are kind of blasphemous to me is because it explains story elements that were like, huh, really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and I think that maybe there's um, there's a place for that type of thing. Uh, I think DC Comics calls it, you know, like Elseworlds or like, you know, the Marvel what if type deal. You know, it's these kind of alternative perspectives on stuff. And we've even talked about how Mm. origin itself is almost like, you know, this is the one year war from a certain point of view. Yeah. Um, and so when you start doing that kind of thing where you reimagine how these character interactions really happened, then you kind of, I, I don't know. Do, do you feel like it, it takes something away from the original when you kind of, I, I don't want to say retcon, but like even just reimagine these types of events? I think it's something you have to be careful with. You know, because, like, I feel like when the prequels first came out, I think I was fine with them until people were complaining and pointing out their reasoning. And I, I, and I think it's one of those things where I came from a place where, well, these people that are complaining are coming up with some good reasoning, even though I personally didn't care. But now I'm thinking that. And then, yeah, the prequels aren't that great. You know, and I feel like... It, I I think there's almost like this thin line that they can kind of teeter on where it's like we want to tell these other stories or other points of view, but not go too far. You know, I think there's a balance. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, because that is interesting. I, I even 
and I, I sometimes try not to dwell on it, but I'll think of how the Disney Star Wars shows kind of got me out of Star Wars, and I feel bad. And it's like, is that me yeah. just being a little punk? Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they they ruined our childhood. Yeah, oh. it, and I, I, but I think you're right. I think that can happen, and it has happened. And where I think so, I wasn't into Transformers, but where I think I first heard about it being a thing was when the Transformers movie came out and they like killed Optimus Prime and then people were like why would you do that and then that would just be the thing you know and yeah and I was like okay that's pretty interesting because it's like oh let's make a movie based on the show that was really good and have some huge pivotal moments happen to characters that kind of then make you think back like you watch the show again oh he's gonna die isn't he you know Mm. and I don't know I, I was never really into Transformers but I would even say, um, like Prometheus, with the Alien franchise, like that's a good example. I was I was really fascinated with Prometheus as a movie, even though I was like, uh, this kind of like makes me look at Alien differently because it's made by the Ridley Scott, who, even though James Cameron did a better job of, I think, of interpreting what that in terms yeah. of a follow up story. Yeah, and, he definitely expanded on it very, very well. Yeah, and instead with with Prometheus, which I, you know, I got to give it to really Scott. It's an interesting movie, but the story he told probably shouldn't have been within the alien universe. No, um, I agree. And it kind of now and then. So then what happens? And that's funny because something like Alien vs. Predator made me upset. But something like and it's funny. It's not a good. It's not nearly as good as a movie as Prometheus. But Prometheus. Yeah made me a little more upset about the franchise it, because well, because of the it recontextualizes yeah. those t- those types yeah. of things you know alien versus predator it's it's pretty inoffensive right whereas like here i'll ask your to, to bring it back around to star wars i'll ask your opinion on this yeah. do you feel like the ending of rogue one um undermines the ending of a new hope no you so so like because I I feel like a lot of people were yeah. felt like you know this was that sort of one in a million shot that Luke Skywalker took down the Death Star, but then the idea that oh well the the Death Star was designed to be blown up that way like it was oh I see what you're talking about no I I think because I think Rogue One almost helped in a way because for me I'm all into the the ship battles. Yeah. So showing the intensity of the ship battles just to get the plans out, whether in the end it made it where it was designed that way. So, Luke, you know, to me, it was seeing the Rebel Alliance in such an intense, stressful situation just to get the data. For me, yeah. that actually helped me appreciate it more. Um, it, and, then, and then I always thought, you know, well, Luke potentially used the force to be able to get that shot when no one else could have. So it's almost like, so it's still a supernatural yeah. thing that he did, but it's yeah. Okay. We're like, maybe that. the intention wasn't for someone to sh- shoot a, a, a proton torpedo down there. It was to somehow get a bomb down there or, or something else. I don't know. Uh, but Luke, you know, taking it, which kind of goes back to some of the things I haven't really thought about. Sometimes there's coincidences in movies, and I'm like, ah, that's a coincidence. But then yeah. sometimes I'm like, okay, this is part of that almost spiritual journey people could be on. And I think Luke, and, and I haven't thought about this until now, but Luke being the one to make that shot that brought him to that moment, I think I think works now that I'm I'm thinking about it more like that. 
just because in life sometimes I come across coincidences where it's like, wow, I can't. I happen to be right here, right now, when I'm the perfect person to do this. Wow, how how is that? You know, and it's and it's because Luke was like a good hero character. Um, yeah, you know, he he was basically living out the hero's journey, and um, and there's something to be said, I think, about would he have been able to make that shot prior to meeting Obi Wan Kenobi, and right, you know, and so that was going to be my next point. That's why I think, out of all characters, a prequel with Luke learning to grow up, not knowing his family essentially, but being intrigued by this Uncle Ben shows kind of the growth he went to what made Luke be be a good guy hero where he wasn't a sort of Han good guy hero you know how Han still makes these bad decisions that are selfish yeah. like every once in a while you get a hero like Luke who's not that selfish even if he's a little whiny but it's because I think he was in a way oppressed by his family situation when technically he wasn't supposed to be there you know? Yeah, I mean, he had to watch all of his friends basically yeah. live out the the adventures that he wanted to. You know, when when Biggs left home and you know was like, "Hey, I'm going off to the academy." You know, yep. S- see see you back home, farm boy. Like, it's... you know what? And that that reminds me too because I remember sometimes people will complain about when Luke went and saw uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru like charred, um, and he was like, "Yeah, I want to go fight." But I remember before that, he was like, no, I can't go. I have responsibilities here. I have to do. There's nothing. And it's like, even though they were dead, he still had the homestead. But he was like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go fight. So, yeah, that's I'm glad we had this little conversation here because it kind of helped me appreciate A New Hope more. Um, Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it is it, it really is that that standard Joseph Campbell hero's journey. But when you learn to appreciate that sometimes you know, the things that were holding Luke back were more his own excuses. Like he, he would have made up any excuse Uh, in the world to not go with Obi-Wan because, because that's just who he was. Yeah. Um, but you know, and so, and I might've heard this, did George Lucas cite Joseph Campbell from when he was writing? Not to my knowledge. Okay. Okay. Cause you know, this kind of goes back real quick to that video that I released Monday where I was just, translating and reading that that interview of Tomino that came with the record that I bought and he talked about George Lucas like they were literally comparing what they're trying to do with what George Lucas was able to do and uh yeah and and so then that goes back to like George Lucas special edition stuff I didn't mind it even though there's some stuff that didn't need to happen how far has Tomino or the Gundam team gone which that kind of goes back to there's this interesting level of respect we see with both the original work and working with a creator and even holding back a creator you know like people weren't holding back george lucas like it sounded like bandai or sunrise was holding back tomino sometimes well and i would say that you know if you want a kind of a like for like comparison the gundam movie trilogy is tomino's uh you know remastered edition oh yeah that's you know that that was him saying like oh i'm gonna save gundam by re-editing it and doing it the right way this time and it's so funny to me that you know both lucas and tomino the right way ended up being the wrong one yeah that is very interesting because at the end of the day even as a newer gundam fan i totally prefer the series over the 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 movie trilogy yeah it just yeah 
you know, some of the changes make sense. Some of them are okay. It's more of just what you're trying to tell. It's almost like you'd have to redo the series to do a trilogy telling that story because then some things just don't land. In that yeah, time. and sometimes, you know, it's uh, when, when you're a creative and you, you know, write a story, sometimes you don't realize what you're saying until someone else says it back to you. And I think that yeah. that's what, that's what bothers Tamino the most about Gundam and, and kind of why he's had the sort of visceral reaction towards Gundam fans over the last 40 years is, you know, he told a story that he thought he was saying a particular thing. He thought he was conveying a particular theme. And then when the fans came back and said, Hey, this is what I got out of it. He's taken aback. Like that's, that is not what I was trying to say, you know, which that's very interesting because I wonder if maybe sometimes we don't realize that 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 we are getting that we we just we haven't matured to the the realization. It's like we're being faced with that verisimilitude. Yeah, but it, we're seeing what could be real, but not really appreciating it for that. Even though that is there deep inside, because even with me, I can think with Star Wars. There are so many more things now I like about Star Wars that I didn't realize was part of Star Wars back when I first saw it. Like the Eastern Very philosophy true. being part of a lot of the force and general, like how you should really treat others and live your life. Like that was embedded into that. And I didn't realize that until much later, but I liked Star Wars the whole time. And I think with Gundam too, at my older age, how I'm breaking it down and thinking about it, I wouldn't have picked on picked up on that when I was younger. I, I no, definitely. So, I mean, there's yeah. the, you get a new appreciation for things when you kind of revisit them. So yep. No, good, good talk. Um, you know, moving on real quick. One last thing I wanted to talk about real quick. Have you heard of those Detolf shells? You know, the, the the IKEA glass. Oh, oh, yeah. Do you happen to have one? No, but you know, I, I probably should get one. <laughs> well, apparently they're discontinuing them, but they have a newer what? version. But the newer version seems to be pretty good because so. I have the old the old one, right? Because everyone got one, and that's just like, okay, I guess I should. And I actually do like it. Uh, I did something over the weekend. I bought, so it's like you could put it on the ground, but okay. it is kind of weird when there's that bottom level is just on the ground. So I actually went to Lowe's and bought feet. or No, I think I bought them on Amazon. They're steel feet, and then I went to Lowe's awesome. to get the screws to put them in. And then I bought lighting. Now, the lighting, a rogue new type, I have three. Yeah, I think he was showing some the other day. Um, but the, for the lighting, at first, I just got the LED strips. But then I saw that there's almost like a a quarter circle, third circle shape, uh, 90 degree, but it's the light is like curved. And I realized yeah. that does a better job. And what happened was like my LED lights totally died. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah. what, what should I get? And someone suggested, oh, get them with this shape. And so I got that, and then I bought a a cable hider thing. It's like a uh, a long white tube that I have along the edge of. It's like this metal part of the detolf where the magnet sticks at the top and the bottom. And I have the cables running along there with the cable hider on that. And then Very I bought looking. a dust uh, some dust proofing weather strips or dust strips that then I put all along yeah. it. And I feel very proud of myself. I've had the detail for like over a year. And then it's just like I, I just now decided, okay, I'm going to like, you know, make it look really nice. I'm going to do a video on it and where to get all the supplies for it. Um, but 
so a couple things I learned from this. One is I think in I've never I've never encased my figures in dustproof things before. But I think this is going to be better now because I have a duster with me uh, on the shelf back here that I'm always having to use every once in a while. And it's like, oh, I need to somehow for, you know, the really nice the compressed air. Oh, yeah. I have this vacuum, too. It's a double sided vacuum. One, it it sucks in and one, it it blows some air. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So it's the thing is, it's like impossible for me to encase everything. But yeah, I have this bookshelf. That I keep things in. And then I was researching online, and it seems like it's really easy. You can buy these, like, acrylic panels that I could then buy uh, hinges for, do the weather stripping. And I might do that to my bookshelf then. Because I think I I have so much stuff out. Like, I'll look at my robot spirits, and they're, like, cased (laughs) in dust. And it's like, like I got to fix that. So... I might do well, something you can like that. Treat, you can treat your uh, figures and model kits with a um, with like an anti dust static film. Um, really, the Gun Primer makes uh, it. I think it's called their finishing solution, um, but it's like a spray that you that you 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 use it to clean the kit, and then you know it it leaves like a film on that kind of resists dust, which. You know, I'm kind of thinking of doing something like that myself. So, yeah, that, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to look into that because I am trying to figure out something lately. When I have been reorganizing or moving things, I just notice a lot of dust. And lately, I've tried to be more conscious about it because allergies or whatever. And you know, just I've slowed down buying stuff, so I'm trying to maintain what I have. And I think. I think that this is a good, you know, uh, you know, I think what a few weeks ago on the show, we talked about like ways of storing your Gunpla yeah. and, you know, what you can do with like old boxes and stuff like that. There's probably not enough content out there on like, you know, what you can do, what, what type of products you can get to display your Gunpla, what you yeah. can get to clean them. You know, I think that this is, That's this is idea. some valuable information that you're, you're bringing out yeah. to us. Good, good. I'm glad you think so, because I am going to do a video of, like, what I did to my Detolf to make it, although the new one is supposed to, like, people are complaining about it because it has black edges around it, which, on one hand, I get it, but at the other, on the other hand, that helps with the cable hiding, so I don't have to buy. I was going to say, it looks like a Rogue New Type says that the new one has LEDs built in. Oh, even maybe. better. Which, and then if maybe doing- that's where that black strip yeah. is. And if you're doing the uh, putting, if you want to put the anti-dust or dust proofing things, you're gonna it's gonna cover space anyway. So having it on that black uh, area on the edges probably helps. Yeah, so that's cool. I think I'm gonna do a video on that then, and probably try to do a video on me customizing my bookshelf I have. Where yeah, there's a place yeah. not too far from me where they do custom acrylic uh, panels, and I'm gonna get them cut and then get the hinges. There was just another channel I was watching where they were like showing how to make the bottom of your couch into storage space and there was like <laughs> push open uh yeah where you push the hinge or whatever the device the mechanism releases it that's um, awesome i'm gonna try to do all that but you know guys we're gonna end it here end it here a little early i gotta take off and get some stuff done um yeah hopefully you all enjoyed this i liked kind of how this was just a free form episode i i even had like a screen share up of that psycho doga and gbo2 i didn't even get to that um i actually just the free roll today it gave it to me <laughs> and i didn't even know that was the thing i'm like a psycho 
Doga, huh? I don't know if I really want it. And then I was looking up, what's the unit for today? Psycho Doga, what the? So It's a general. Yeah, that, which is cool. 650, yeah. But, but so. you, and I, you and I are more raid guys now, it seems like. I know, like. I know. There's something about the raid. I never thought I'd be a raid user. <laughs> I feel disgusting. I know, but there's something about it, man. It's fun, so. All right, we're going to take off. Everyone, thanks for joining, and we will talk later.